Hey, hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. As you can hear, I am fully healed from my sickness, so I'm not going to have to stop and drink water every two seconds, which is great. Today, we'll be talking about a little hiccup that went on at the White House, as well as as the primaries start to heat up, we have debates that are happening next month. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the 2024 election, where all of the candidates kind of stand. But before that, we had the 4th of July this last week, and it's pretty much the most important day uh, in America for the year. And if you forgot to give someone a gift for America's birthday, I have a belated gift idea for you. My sponsor for this episode, which is Gulag America. Now it's a tradition to get gifts for each other on their birthdays, but why not America's birthday? This 4th of July, I have partnered with Gulag America, the perfect 4th of July present for friends and family. Gulag America is an apparel company with high quality clothing and designs for the best patriots. Gulag America features clothing with classic designs. Uh, They have things that are kind of a little bit more staples, like the Don't Tread on Me, um, as well as some more modern uh, and kind of new stuff with pronouns. Uh, that are kind of ironic and funny. Uh, I'm going to be wearing uh, one of those, uh, I believe in Spanish, because I speak Spanish. I love Spanish. I'm going to be wearing one in Spanish uh, in a few days that I'll be showing off. Um, I'm very excited to be partnered with them. Right now, if you go to gulagamerica.com and use my code JoshCar10, you will get 10% off at Gulag America. They have shirts, they have hoodies. I love the hoodies. They're super cool. I'm going to actually put a Uh, a picture up on my social media uh, with one of the hoodies that I'm probably going to grab. Again, that is Josh Carr 10 for 10% off at gulagamerica.com. Okay, getting into the news for this week. If you didn't hear, uh, Hunter Biden has been spending probably a lot of time at the White House. And the reason why I say that is, if you remember correctly, I said probably the grossest thing ever. It had to do with a hooker and cocaine and uh, buttholes and stuff. I don't even like saying that word again, but just talking a little bit about Hunter Biden and what, and what he does. Anyway, if you didn't hear this week, uh, the secret service found out that they have found so that they, they found out there's cocaine in the West wing. They have found traces of cocaine. I believe it was in the carpet of the West wing. Uh, according to NBC, uh, they reported saying the cocaine was found in an entrance area between the foyer and the lower level lobby. Uh, the sources said the entrance is near where some vehicles like the vice president's limo or SUV park. It's one floor below the ma- uh, the main West Wing offices and the same floor as the situation and dining room area. So this is pretty, I mean, this like it's news. Like, I don't know if this has ever happened. I've never heard of this in my lifetime, but it's not like as big of a deal as people are probably letting it on to be uh, just being like totally honest. We don't know where it came from. I know I'm joking that it's Hunter Biden, but I mean, it really could be Hunter Biden, but we don't really know. Um, like one of the things that I wanted to highlight in this is how bad Corrine Jean-Pierre, if you don't know who Corrine Jean-Pierre is, she is the White House press secretary. She is so bad at her job. And I hate, like, I, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just true though. Like if for anyone that knows PR, public relations, they ask her questions. And all she says is she just refers them to other people. It's so bad. I don't understand. She doesn't do her job. She doesn't answer people's questions. Every time she just says, 
oh, I'm going to need to refer you to someone else. And so that's what happened this week. We had someone in a press conference reach out to Karine Jean-Pierre and they said, hey, what's up with the cocaine? And all she said was the Secret Service is going to have to speak to that because it's their deal. It's like, that's why we came to you. That's why we have a White House press secretary. That's why we have press conferences. And this happened in the White House. So why can you not speak on it? She is so bad at her job. I do not understand. And it's not just this way with, with this incident. It's this way with so many. I mean, like I can, you know, it like hurts me as someone who's like in media to watch her get in front of reporters like every other day. And for 10 minutes, she just tells them, oh, you can reach out to the National Archives about that. Uh, you can reach out to the FBI about that. We understand. Like, we know that that we know we can reach out to other people. We're asking you. We want to know what the White House is saying. We want to know what Joe Biden's administration is saying about that. Uh, I, I don't imagine that she is going to make it to the end of Joe Biden's presidency. She might. If he gets reelected, there's no way she'll be on for another term with him. She's just so bad at her job. And Jen Psaki, who was the press secretary before her, lasted like a year and a half. So I just don't, I just don't anticipate her lasting much longer than a year and a half. I also think, I mean, you think about Joe Biden and what he does. You think about the things that she has to deal with on a daily basis to her credit as well. Like I wouldn't want to be in that job, that position. It's a pretty good career boost. So like if you didn't know about Jen Psaki, Jen Psaki was the White House press secretary, but then when she stepped down, she went to MSNBC and had a really uh, lucrative deal with them. And that's not super uncommon. We saw it with, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Um, any, in any case, there's a lot of Fox News hosts that were once press secretaries for either Bush or Trump, and they make a lot of money at Fox. So in many cases, it can be kind of that career boost. But I don't know if that's going to happen with Karine Jean-Pierre because of how bad her job is. Maybe because she's somehow the most historic person in the world as she points out herself as a black lesbian, then maybe she'll be able to go work for MSNBC as well. But I wouldn't envy being in her position. It's definitely a hard job of doing it for uh, for uh, Joe Biden. is got to be as tough as it gets for all of the gaffes that he has every single day. Talking a little bit more to the cocaine in the White House, uh, it's important to know, and I want to be fair about this story, visitors to the White House come through this area all the time. This is like the most common area kind of where they're coming in and out. And so there's speculation going around that it was Hunter Biden that did this. And it could have been he's to be fair. The only people that we know come to the White House so far that have actively used cocaine is Hunter Biden. So I think it's fair to say that he would be suspect number one, because we don't know of anyone else that has a long history of using cocaine, going to the White House and having strong, strong connections there. But in all fairness, it could have been any visitor to the White House. They could have tracked it in on their shoes. So we really don't know. But it is kind of funny, especially in the wake of him being convicted uh, for uh, some of his crimes. Um, something interesting about this. So Biden was actually at Camp David when this happened. Uh, and you can kind of this, this is kind of pattern that you see with Biden. You can pretty much always count on Biden to be on vacation when something happens at the White House. It happens so often. It seems like he spends at least like 50 percent of the time either at Camp David or his Delaware house which are pretty much just his two main vacation spots. And it's pretty ironic. The thing that was going through my mind, the first thing I thought of was what if, what if Biden, Joe Biden 
was at Camp David with family, as a lot of presidents uh, do at Camp David. And what if he was there with Hunter Biden when this story broke? That would be funny. I could just I could just picture Joe Biden, <laughs> like it, he like he's he's reading the newspaper or something, sees it on the New York Times or on NBC or something, and he like turns to Hunter like, "Did you do this?" And he's like, "No, like I didn't do this." <laughs> but just the the image of Joe Biden, like I bet it crossed his mind. Oh, that cocaine like could have come from Hunter, and the fact that he possibly could have been with Hunter when the story broke is freaking funny. Um, but at the end of the day, like they, they said, we're probably not going to know. I'm not surprised if they found out who it was. I don't know why they feel incentivized at all to release that information. If it's a random person, I don't know why they would release that. If it's Hunter Biden, they of course would not release that. And there's a few conservatives who are kind of up in arms about that fact, but you know what? Who cares? Like it really just doesn't matter if it was Hunter Biden. We already know he's a, he's a cokehead. Like it, it just kind of is. Um, so that was just kind of a funny story of the week that I want to share with everyone before we move on to the 2024 election stuff. I want to talk really quick about the other sponsor, uh, and partner of this podcast ground news. Now we know that the media is always biased. That's why I partnered with ground news. If you go to the link down in the description below, you will get 15% off a subscription with them. What ground news does is it compiles the information and news together, tells you where those news stories are from and their bias ratings, as well as potential, motivations, incentives that they have for posting that specific story. For instance, if you have the New York Times and they are being paid in advertising from Pfizer and they do a story about COVID, they're going to give you information on that. That's why I use Ground News for this podcast and other videos that I make so that I can know the biases of others. Again, link in the description down below. Now, getting to the election of 2024, it's funny how the news cycle works because it is... July 7th, uh, 2023. So we are still a year and like four months away from the election. But because debates are heating up, it, it just it goes so much further in advance. And that's why we can talk about the election. And I think it's profitable too, because I want people one of the goals of this channel is I want people to be galvanized politically. It's really important that we are involved in our democratic system so that we can retain our republic in the way that our founding fathers wanted it to be. Uh, initially, you think back to 17, 1776, there were a lot less people voting in elections. Obviously, I'm not happy that those voting rights weren't given out. But just speaking practically, uh, campaigning was a lot more personal. It was a lot more, there were a lot less people that you had to get on board. And so today, there are so many people that can kind of check out of the voting process, and they could still vote or not vote. Uh, and, Dem and Democrats and Republicans don't need to reach out to them as much. So the more politically galvanized we are, the more they're the more they're going to actually have to cater towards our needs. So I'm happy that we're talking about it early. The big reason why we're talking about it early is because the debates are happening next month for the GOP. I'm going to talk first about the GOP, then I'm going to talk about the Democrats because there is a bit of a primary, like a soft primary, going on that I want to discuss. But first. Big news that just came out from Florida, the Florida Republicans just announced that in order to be on the ballot for the primary in Florida, you must sign loyalty, basically a loyalty agreement to the GOP nominee. So what that means basically is that Florida Republicans have decided that if you as a candidate do not support the nominee, no matter who it is, then you do not going to be on the ballot. And this is super powerful. I'm glad Florida did this. I hope other states do this. And I'll talk about that in a sec. 
but I'm glad Florida did it because at the end of the day, you can't really win. You can, but it's going to be a big hit to you in the primary if you don't have Florida Republicans. So if you're getting, I mean, that's more than a million people. Those are millions of people that might vote in that primary. You're going to need those for the primary. And so it's basically forcing the hand of all of the candidates to sign that loyalty saying, even if I lose, I will uh, support and endorse the Republican nominee, which is really good because sometimes these primaries get really nasty. And I think this is a really good idea if the GOP wants to stay strong. I'm okay with, I'm totally okay with primaries getting nasty. In fact, I kind of like it because I don't, I like the dirt getting brought up for our politicians. It's one reason why the primary system in our country is so strong and so good for democracy is that it incentivizes politicians to really go at each other so that unfortunately right now we have journalists that aren't really doing that. I guess they are for the GOP, but not for Democrats. And so that dirt is really going to be able to inform and educate the public in a way that we might not have otherwise that other country, other countries, for instance, don't really have in the same way. So I'm really happy for it. I think Florida is going to force the hand of say Donald Trump to do this. I, Donald Trump's really the only person I'm worried about. Every other Republican up to this point has showed a pretty good, um, they've showed a really good track record of supporting GOP candidates. The biggest exception would maybe be Chris Christie, but he's like dead in the water. He's not going to win. He has like a decent amount of support. He's sitting at like four or five percent. That's fine, but he's not going to win, obviously. But we have like Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. All of those people have showed a really solid track record with supporting GOP candidates, especially Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm not concerned at all about them not supporting the nominee. I know Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are going at each other, but if Donald Trump wins the nominee, Ron DeSantis will definitely endorse him. There's no question. However, what we've seen recently is Donald Trump has really gone at other Republican candidates and they've done it in a very, he's done it in like a very lefty way. It's okay to attack them a little bit and dig up the dirt. I'm okay with that, as I just said, but he's done it in a way that a lot of progressives have, have done. And frankly, it hasn't been super unifying to the party. I think it will be really important for him to sign this loyalty agreement, provided that he loses the primary Ron DeSantis will really need his endorsement in order to win. If Donald Trump were to lose and Ron DeSantis were to win the primary and Trump pulls his support, we could have a serious problem. I mean, in my opinion, I'm going to talk about this more. Ron DeSantis, if he wins the primary, he wins. the. He's going to beat Biden. That's like an easy vote. So many, and, and all the polling shows that he's up six, seven, eight percent on Biden, which is pretty substantial at this point. And a lot can still happen. But if Donald Trump takes back his support, you know that 6 7% is going to fade. It's going to be much lower. I'm not saying those Trump voters are going to vote for Biden. They're just simply not going to show up to the polls, which would be really catastrophic for Republicans. So it's really smart for Florida to lead the way on this. I would not be surprised if Ron DeSantis had a part in this, knowing that he cannot win without Trump supporters. Uh, that's just a reality. I hope other states follow suit, especially like Texas, like really big states, Texas, others, you know, Alabama, Louisiana, some of those bigger states down south, uh, Utah would be great, though we're just a little smaller. Uh, so we don't have quite as much impact as the Florida's and the Texas. Um, I'm 
like like I said, I'm pretty good with the bloodbath for the GOP. I it will weed out the winners and the losers at the end of the day. I hope a lot of people get in the debate too. It's unclear who is going to qualify for the debate. They have to get a certain amount of money risen, and those are just rules by the GOP. I hope a lot of people are in those debates because they're going to attack each other and they're going to kind of weed out who's good at debating, who's not. The the here's where it gets tricky with the debate. It is unclear at this point whether or not Donald Trump will participate in the debates, which is really fascinating because we haven't had someone sit out in a long time. It's very different because even though Joe Biden is the incumbent, Donald Trump is kind of the incumbent too. It's been four years since he's been in the presidency, but effectively he's been the leader of the Republican Party, excuse me, all the way up until now. And so how I feel about it is I would love for Donald Trump to show up to the debates because it shows strength from him. And he is not a bad debater. I think he would do fine. However, with that said, I think if Donald, if we've got every, all the kind of the main players on the stage, including Donald Trump, the people who are going to come out of that debate winning are going to be DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. And the reason why I say this is because they are the best debaters and Vivek Ramaswamy is the best debater on the stage. No question. If anyone has watched, he has been insanely diligent on the campaign trail. It seems like he's on a different media outlet left or right every other day. And he's posting about it. It's like really out there. Ron DeSantis, not so much. Ron DeSantis has been on the ground a lot and he's been working hard that way, but not as much online, which I think is a big mistake, but they're both really effective. So Vivek Ramaswamy is really good at debate. Ron DeSantis just has a lot to go on. He has a lot to attack Donald Trump on, especially in regards to COVID and how he treated that. He just has a lot to talk about regarding himself and what he's done. And beyond that, he's still a good debater. And so what I see happening is that DeSantis and Ramaswamy come out on top in that in that debate stage. I see Donald Trump not doing as well, but doing a decent job of hurting some of the other people, uh, especially Chris Christie. Anyone who really attacks him is going to get wrecked. This is one reason why I think Vivek Ramaswamy is going to do very well. Vivek Ramaswamy has done a really good job of towing the line between supporting Trump and running his own campaign. I think Ron DeSantis might get hurt a little bit. But because of the fact that I think Donald Trump is going to come out of that debate looking a little worse, I think he has no incentive to be a part of that debate. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I just don't think at the end of the day, he has any incentive to really go and debate. He's got such high support. What else is he going for? And if he doesn't go, will people call him out for being a loser? Yes. But is that really going to take down his polls? I kind of doubt it. Um, one thing that I want to talk about really quick, I, I kind of mentioned it really briefly, is I am astounded by the waves that Ramaswamy is making. I remember when he announced, he was like the third or fourth person to announce. I want to say he announced right after Nikki Haley. And <clears throat> I thought to myself, he's just another prideful uh, businessman. He's got a lot of money. He just wants to do something with his life. And... I actually had a friend message me and he was like, are you going to support him? And I was like, no, I was like, I don't care. But just in an effort to understand him better, especially since he's running, I watched some of his videos and really quickly, I started to respect this guy a lot. And what's happening is because he's on the media, so the media trail so much, and because he truly is that good, I'm not the only one that feels that way. There are a lot of people out there who are looking at him and they're like, this guy makes a lot of sense and he's really articulate. In fact, I've heard a lot of people who are gung-ho Ron DeSantis who are kind of like, honestly, I like Ron DeSantis, but Vivek Ramaswamy is like Ron DeSantis, but just better. Like, 
he's got everything Ron DeSantis has uh, just in terms of what he believes in policy, but he says it better. Like he's just better uh, in presenting himself. And so I actually think this is a three-man race at this point, which is pretty crazy. I would not have said this. <clears throat> I think Chris Christie, Mike Pence, Tim Scott. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Nikki Haley. I don't know if I said that already. I think they're done. They're all doing the classic thing where they're sharing four or five percent. But Vikramaswamy in some polls is up to like ten percent. That that's actually a pretty significant number, especially considering he came into the race at like two <clears throat> percent. You kind of have to look at the growth. Like Ron DeSantis has kind of just stayed the same. Trump's gone up just a little bit. Vikramaswamy's like five X his numbers. That's pretty good. You if he five X's his numbers again, he wins the nomination. So He's one to watch. I think it's a three-man race at this point. Um, I think Ron DeSantis really needs to to get on media more and be a little bit more outspoken, even though he's been on the ground, which is great. You just reach more people if you're online. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing is the attention span nowadays is just so short. And so I think he understands that <clears throat> some of that media may be more helpful later on in the race. It's just from what I've seen from Vivek Ramaswamy up to this point, I think he's going to have that energy throughout the whole campaign. And so I think Ron DeSantis ought to start now, despite it not being necessarily the most important informative moments of uh, the campaign trail. It's still pretty huge. Very important. Um, I think that other than those two, I don't think anyone has a fighting chance against Trump. Um, but I actually do think those two have a shot at taking him down. <clears throat> now, briefly, I want to talk about Democrats. <clears throat> you might think there's nothing going on with Democrats. Joe Biden is the president. The incumbent always just kind of goes. Now, here's the thing. There's a soft primary going on. Like, you're partly right. Democrats are not going to hold debates. They have no incentive to do that. They don't want to be divided. I'm just saying Democrat leaders. But there are two other people who have a significant portion of support from Democratic voters that are running against Biden and have announced that. Um, so here's where we land with Democrat polling. I want to read this. Um, 60% of Democrats say they, they back Biden. <clears throat> so that's a majority. That's all you need for the nomination. Um, 14% say that they back, uh, Kennedy, who is the nephew of JFK. If you haven't heard about Kennedy, I'm going to do a video about him probably another day, but that's 14%. That's not nothing. That's pretty big, especially when you're in the incumbent. And then 4% say they back Marianne Williamson, who is an author. So, and then the rest of that portion, about, it looks like about 22% say they're undecided. <clears throat> so the question is, can Biden get those 22% on his side? Because if they are, it's over. But the fact that 14% uh, support JFK's nephew, Robert Kennedy Jr., that is a pretty big deal. 40% of Democrats do not support their incumbent president. That is fascinating. Um, those undecideds are going to make a big difference because if all 22 can get behind RFK, then you could really see a big switch up, especially as uh, debates happen, as well as just as time gets closer and more things happen. I'm sure Joe Biden has many more gaps to make in his presidency before the election. Uh, and, and as you can, like, as we just know from history, it is not common for the incumbent to have so much opposition. That is scary, scary, scary for Joe Biden. Uh, Democrats are not going to primary, they're not going to do debates, and so all of it's going to be like quite informal. But if there's a big enough push, I think they might be able to see 
uh, Joe Biden get flipped out of his seat, which to be honest would be the worst thing that could happen for Republicans. So we'll see what they do. But if Republicans are smart, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure Joe Biden wins that and makes and makes it so that he's the nominee because he's the easiest person to win at this point. Because it's, if, if this election can be a referendum on Joe Biden uh, and Trump's not the nominee, I think Republicans have it in the bag. Um, I think at this point, Republicans have about a 0% chance of, this is kind of how I see it with the, Repo- with, uh, the nominations. Republicans have about a 0% chance of switching Democrats over to Republicans. I, I just don't see that happening. There might be just like a couple. Uh, if they nominate Ramaswamy, I think some Dem- Democrats would come over potentially. But with DeSantis and Trump, they're too polarizing, uh, very anti-LGBTQ. I think virtually no Democrats will switch. Ramaswamy is very poised. He's smart. He's been a lot of liberal media. I think he could convince a lot of people. If Ramaswamy and DeSantis, one of them is uh, nominated, that could sway a lot of independents on the Republican side. Okay, so again, not a lot of Democrats are going to come over for DeSantis, but plenty of independents will. I mean, we saw in Florida, it's been done before. We've already, we basically see, like Florida was already just a great case study of what would happen. If it's Ramaswamy or DeSantis, tons of independents are going to come over. The polls show that Republicans would most likely win. Now, with Trump, Biden, so Trump is the nominee, Biden's the nominee. Um, Biden is president, no question. That's my prediction. I think if Trump is the nominee, there's just no question. All the polling suggests it. It makes it just makes logical sense. It's just happened in 2020. Enough bad has happened to Biden, sure, but enough bad has happened to Trump as well. And he has no plan that he's outlined so far on how to uh, overcome election fraud, which is what he keeps talking about. So if he has no plan to do that, I don't really see how he can win. I don't know why it'd be different from 2020. So the question is, is what's going to change from now until the debates? What's going to happen in the debates and after? Uh, But one thing is clear to me, at least, is that Haley, Christie, Pence, Tim Scott, they're out. They're done. They should throw their nomin or their uh, their allegiance behind whoever they think uh, will win. Christie won't put it behind Trump, but I bet the other ones will. Uh, Pence won't as well, obviously. But I think Tim Scott, Nikki Haley will back Trump. That's just the best move for them, so they can have a job, frankly, and stay relevant. <clears throat> but Pence has a decent amount of the vote, and so does Christie. And so if they give their support to Vivek Ramaswamy or DeSantis we could see them surge quite a bit in the polls, not to mention all the other Republicans. I didn't even mention them by name though, because they've got like 2% of the vote and I'm sorry, it's just not gonna happen for them. Those are my predictions for the 2024 election. As of today, I'm sure they'll change as things get closer. But as always guys, thank you so much for watching this episode of the Josh Carr Show. Again, Gulag America, super quality shirts, super quality sweatshirts. Use Josh Carr 10 in the description down below for 10% off. Check it out. Thanks guys.